Our first reading this morning comes to us from the book of 1 Chronicles. God had told King David that he would not be building the temple, but rather his son Solomon would be the one to build it. David, seeing the task, started the preparation. David then asked all who would help with the project, and many, many families came forward. And David rejoiced greatly. And when he seen so many people helping with the project, he recited this prayer, starting with the verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. That is our first reading. Our second reading comes to us from 1 Corinthians. Paul's making a lot of um, comparisons with what was happening to the Israelites back in the day. Uh, one of, for example, in verse uh, 7, uh, he's making reference to the golden calf and how the people have made the golden calf and worshipped it as its idol. And then in verse 8, Israel joins up with the, with the idol ball. And then in verse 10, which is kind of interesting, uh, the people had grumbled against Moses and Aaron and because of that, the angel of death had, was coming over the people. But ironically, Moses and Aaron interceded and saved the people from death. Otherwise, if he would not have interceded, if they wouldn't have interceded, chances are the whole nation would have been wiped out. And Paul's making reference to that in our reading for today from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with the sixth verse. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did as they were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That is our second reading.
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday, everybody. I'm going to actually read the gospel lesson a little bit later, but I kind of want to talk about it because it's really an interesting one. It's about the parable of the shrewd manager. And I want us to kind of go through what we're going to talk about and then read the lesson. And hopefully it'll kind of give us a little bit more insight as to what is happening. This particular parable of the shrewd manager is only found in the book of Luke. It's not written anywhere else. And sometimes it's called the parable of the unjust steward or the unrighteous or dishonest steward. This individual was about ready to be fired. No, he was fired. And he took some interesting steps that the, the uh, owner thought was actually good. So why did our shrewd manager deem to act so wisely, even though he was a sinner looking out for his own interests? Jesus told this parable to the disciples, but it's also interesting to know that in the background were the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law also listening in on this parable. And I'm sure Jesus was directing the parable more at them than he was at the, the, the disciples. Because they, you know, when they, the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers, they would take money uh, from widows and poor people. And I think this was a way for Jesus to tell them that the things of this world are not what's important. And it's time to give back. And I think that's part of where all this comes into. The, this text can be broken down into two parts. The parable, which is in verses 1 through 8, and then there's the application in verses 9 through 13. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but again, there's also other people out there. Now the steward, he's realizing he's going to be out of a job. And he makes some shrewd deals behind his master's back reducing the debt owed by several of the master's debtors in exchange for shelter. And he's eventually put out. He realizes, what am I going to do? I'm going to be homeless. I'm not going to have a job. And so he's coming up with these shrewd ideals and Jesus is talking about them as well. In this application, Jesus begins by saying, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of the light. Jesus is drawing a contrast between the sons of the world, who are the unbelievers, and the sons of the light, who are the believers. It is interesting to note that the unbelievers of the world seem to be more shrewd, more cunning in many of the things that they do than we as Christians into our fellowship and of the world yet to come. Got to realize also that in Matthew 10, 16, it says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents, but yet innocent as doves. 
So we're not just supposed to take a back seat to everything. I think Jesus is saying that be shrewd, be cunning, and be innocent all at the same time. That's, that's kind of a, a mouthful and a mega head spinner as well. Jesus is trying to paint a picture of this unjust steward. And if we understand the principle of everything that we own is a gift from God and that we are stewards, it puts everything into perspective. Because everything we have, everything that we do, are we taking proper care of it? It is God's. And we are the stewards of what God has given us. And as scripture says, if we can't take care of a little bit, then how can we take care of any much more in the kingdom of God? So he's telling us, take care of what you have and reach out to people as well. In the reading for today, which is in the book of Luke, the 16th chapter, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Hmm. He's been fired. But it's interesting to note that normally what happens when you're fired? You're escorted out the door. You're done. Not him, however. He's been fired, but he still has to give an account to the manager of everything that he's done before he's escorted out the door. And I'm sure he's been fired for a very good reason. And the charge was brought to him that the man was wasting his possessions, but nothing is ever said to indicate of his guilt of the charge since the man, you know, he didn't even actually argue his case. He just assumed that he was guilty as charged. Well, now the manager's thinking, he says, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. Hmm. How is he going to accomplish that? Obviously, he didn't work out because <laughs> he's not strong enough to dig or do any of the physical labor. He's ashamed to beg. But he starts thinking, hmm. I know, I'll come up with a plan so that people will welcome me into their homes after I lose this one. Well, let's see what he does. Starting with verse 5. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Hmm, that's kind of a clever plan. He's making a friend out of this first one here. And you know, um, 
450 is like 875 gallons. That's a lot of oil. And then to the second one, he says, hey, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he said, take your bill and make it 800. So he basically reduced their debt down. And these people would be grateful for him for doing that. So when he loses his job, he says, hey, do you remember when I cut your bill down? Can I stay here for a while? Do you remember how when I cut your bill down with my former master? You know, can you put up with me for a while? He's got this all worked out. Shrewd, isn't he? And that's why they call it the shrewd manager. Well, what does the master, you'd think the master would be a little bit upset about this. But let's read in verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Where our heart is, we have to be cautious of that. Jesus is saying, you know, be shrewd. You know, we have a tendency to, wow, that person... He really did a lot of things bad. And yes, it's bad, and he will be judged accordingly. But how do we take care of what we have? And that's what Jesus is telling. He's telling the Pharisees, you guys have been basically scoundering all these people out there. It's time that you give back. Continuing on in verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, taking care of what we have here on this planet, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? It's a matter of trust, isn't it? Trustworthiness is in play here. You've got to be trustworthy. You have to be honest. If you're not, who's going to trust you or be honest with you? After all, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And in further reading, it says, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Oh, yes. The shrewd people that are out there. As I'm thinking about this, one of the assignments that we had is that when you do a sermon, break it down also into how are the commandments affected by this. So I, I kind of thought about that this morning. Okay, so what commandments 
is the shrewd manager breaking? Obviously, I would kind of think of one of them would be stealing. He's not taking the money, but at the same time, he is robbing the owner of 100% of what he is owed. So the sense of stealing that's involved with that. That'd be the seventh commandment. How about the eighth commandment? Bear false witness against your neighbor. The shrewd manager is bearing false witness against his owner. And how about the coveting commandments also? They're in play here. And honoring. You're supposed to honor your father, mother, and masters. Well, obviously, he is not honoring his master. And then, of course, there's always the first commandment that if you break any of the commandments, you're also breaking the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before you. The God in the situation is wealth, money, prosperity. The parable of the shrewd manager is one that we can take and read and read and maybe get something different each time. But realize, it comes down to trust. It comes down to being honest of the things that we have in our possession. And like I said, they're not ours. They're God's. So it's important that we take care of everything that we have. And... and Help other people. If somebody owes you some money, maybe go to them and say, you know, I know things are kind of tough. How about make it half, one or three quarters, or whatever the case might be. Let's work this out. Let's get this out. So we get rid of this black cloud over your head. And, and like I said, Jesus, the Pharisees were hearing about this and <laughs> they didn't like one word that Jesus was saying. And I really believe that Jesus was talking to them more so than the disciples because it was the Pharisees who are out there taking advantage of the people. So as Matthew says, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. That's a tough challenge to do. But you know what? We are children of God. And as long as we have God's mercy on our side, you know, let's talk, that's another thing we talk about, being merciful. That's at play in this parable as well. And I'm sure that if you think about it more, you can think of other attributes of God that are in play here as well. And if somebody happens to think of something, you know, raise your hand. But God is merciful. And in a way, this shrewd manager was merciful to the owners who owed him money. Does it make it right? That's a good question. It's a challenging question. Jesus is telling this parable about this dishonest person. And the manager says, the owner says, hey, that's, Pretty good. You did a good job on that. Is God telling us that we're doing a good job on what we are doing? 
Think about that. Think about the wealth that we have. Think about our family situation. Are we taking care of our families as well as we should be? Are we taking advantage of, are we taking care of our friends as well as we should be? Are we reaching out to people like we should be? Like I said, you know, some churches now, they're, they're texting um, other people instead of having end time in church and, and having the peace. Reaching out to somebody out there. Maybe somebody you haven't talked to a while. Send them a text. Hey, good morning. I just happened to be thinking about you. God be with you. We don't need to tell each other that because we're here. But what about the people who are not here? Reach out to them as well and give them the blessing. That's the parable of the shrewd manager. Let us be shrewd. Let us be innocent. I think also, if I remember right, that this is the only place in the Bible where the word shrewd is actually being used. And this parable is only recorded in the book of Luke. It has to be an important story, otherwise he wouldn't tell it. Be wise. You know, we are children of the light. But it seems like the children of the world are the ones who seem to be always looking out for ways to get ahead or to do things in this world. We should be also reaching out and thinking about what we should be doing to preparing ourselves for the kingdom of God that is before us. They're trying to do things in this world. We are trying to do things in the next world. That's where the difference is coming in. What is in store for us in the next world, in the kingdom that is yet to come, into everlasting life where there will be golden gates and all the meadows and all the riches are being put forward into God's kingdom? Think about our future. We're only going to be here for a short period of time. Take care of what we have. Because we only have one opportunity, one chance to do it, and that is now. And we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to be living tomorrow. You never know. I just read a story this morning. Um... I want to say it's over, I'm not sure if it's in Egypt or wherever. A church just caught on fire this morning. 41 people died because there was a short in the air conditioner in the second level. You never know. So be ready for the time is now. Amen. May the grace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in the truth. Jesus Christ, our Lord, and give him the glory and praise every day. Amen. I, I like the King James Version. This is the new King James. But Psalm 119, I realized I had gone through that entire psalm and I had circled the word, word. Because it's all about the word. 
And so I'm just going to read a couple of them. Um, in Psalm 119, verse 49, it says, Remember the word to your servant upon which you caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Your statutes have been my songs. In the house of my pilgrimage, I remember your name in the night, O Lord. Um, on over to verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven, and your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. But I'll just throw a little challenge out there. Go through one Psalm 119 and circle every place, which I haven't done it in this Bible, but I didn't bring my other Bible. So anyway, circle every place that you see the word word and then you'll, you'll be amazed. Here's uh, verse 38. Establish your word to your servant who's devoted to fearing you. So um, that's why I've chosen that song. The Bible stands for our last song. But Lord, we just want to honor you today. and We honor your word, Lord, above all else, for your word is established in heaven. Above all else, it says that you honor your word um, above, um, I can't remember that scripture above. You honor your word. Well, maybe it'll come to me. But Lord, we just give you thanks today, Lord, for these precious members of Buffalo Lake Church. Lord, and everyone that's facing trials and tribulations, those who need healings in their body, those who have family situations going on, Lord, we just lift up every single one, Mike and Tammy, and we lift up Larry and Connie, we lift up um, Lois, we lift up Diane, we lift up her friend Darla, we lift up Marsha, Lord, for the days ahead when Marsha's going to really miss Diane and her husband, but Lord, you will provide the help that she needs. So we give you thanks, Lord, for the week behind and for the week ahead. And Lord, we just ask that by your Holy Spirit, you lead a guide and direct all of our thoughts, all of our actions, all the things that we need to attend to, all the decisions that need to be made. Father, we just want to live how your Holy Spirit would like us to live in this life. And we thank you for your word, Father. May we meditate on it day and night. Bring it to our remembrance when we sleep, when we're driving especially. That's my favorite time, Lord, is when I'm driving. And bless each one here today in every way from bless, bless people's socks off, as one of my mentors used to say. I just pray that God bless your socks off this week. In Jesus' name, amen. And we join in the prayer that our Lord has taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
as we take our worship, praise, and prayer from this place into our daily lives, may our lives be sustained through the love of our Heavenly Father. May we feel the presence of our Savior walking beside us and know the power of the Spirit in both our actions and our words. May the Father's hand keep you from stumbling. The footprints of Jesus give you confidence to follow. And the fire of the Spirit keep you warm and safe in your walk with God on this very day. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious upon you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace, his love, and forgiveness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And let God's people say, Amen. And Lois, honk your horn. There we go. Hallelujah. (laughs) 